This morning on the third hour of today, Prince Harry's privacy fight. The Prince and other high-profile celebrities taking on British tabloid publishers. The spy tactics they claim were used to steal their personal information. Plus, is your employer spying on you? We're going to show you the new ways some businesses are tracking you at work and watching your computer screen using technology known as Tattleware. Then later, a first look at a new show that's roaring onto Broadway. Here's one of our puppets now, wow. Behind the scenes of Life of Pi, how they're using puppets and imagination to create a stage spectacle. And in Today Foods, we're gonna help you plan your Easter menu. Top Chef Judge Gail Simmons, here to make a Sunday roast today, Tuesday, March 28th, 2023. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza, this is the third hour of today. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the third hour of today. I'm Dylan here with Al, our cousin of the show, Jill Martin. Brooks is here. Chanel and Craig are off this morning. Um, big, big show ahead. Oh, yes. But you yes. had big news on, Yay. you shared on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, relatively yeah, speaking. <laughs> well, Step in the right direction. Yes, yes. yes. I, you know, I, 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 yeah, my knee is shot. I got to get a replacement of the replacement. And uh, <laughs> so I haven't been able to do my normal walking. And yesterday, just through the dint of the day, I ended up with over 13,000 steps. So, Is that your which, best ever? Well, not my best ever, but but certainly since uh, my surgeries and all that stuff. Yeah, and his knee. So, yeah, but again, just Did you have a busy, more. did you purposefully try to walk a lot or did you just have a yeah, busy day? Yeah, I used day? my treadmill in the dressing okay. room and at work and uh, I actually went to the NBC Fitness Center for the first time since Oh yeah, the you said it. Shocked that they nice. had a makeover. I know, it's yeah. beautiful there huh. now. So. I do think it's nice. cool though when you're, you see Al in the morning for the meeting, he's on his treadmill walking during yes. the meeting and oh. so anyone who has an excuse I don't get steps in, <laughs> he's the guy to say, well, think you, of Al. You are inspiration. inspiration. I, I still just sit there while you are walking, but Okay. Not meeting. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> don't forget, uh, if you'd like to join in on our uh, hashtag start today, uh, where we're walking and it's just a marvelous community, it almost really 150,000 folks who wow. all lift each other up and support each yeah. other. So very exciting. Uh, by the way, uh, you know, we, we all need a little dose of uh, royalty. So uh, <laughs> l- let's let's head across the pond uh, where Prince Harry has returned to a London courtroom today. The Prince and some other high-profile celebrities suing a British tabloid publisher. They say they were spied on and their privacy violated. NBC's Kelly Cobiea has been following this very closely. Kelly, good morning. Al, good morning to you. Yeah, Prince Harry is back here again today. He arrived through a back entrance at the courthouse earlier. He's inside listening to proceedings. His lawyer in court filing said some of the Daily Mail's articles had a massive impact on his teenage years. This morning, Prince Harry arriving for a second day of court over a lawsuit brought against the publisher of the Daily Mail, Associated Newspapers. The Duke of Sussex, Elton John, and several other big-name celebrities accusing Associated Newspapers of violating their privacy. In court documents seen by the Press Association, Prince Harry's lawyers say he felt suspicion and paranoia after seeing some stories, convinced those closest to him were leaking private details to the press, causing friends to be lost or cut off, and everyone becoming a suspect. Prince Harry and the other claimants accused the news group of using a private investigator to spy on them. 
an Associated Newspaper spokesperson releasing a statement saying a private investigator whose confessions form a key element of a privacy case being brought against Associated Newspapers has denied their allegations that he acted illegally against them on behalf of the Daily Mail or Mail on Sunday and that he has provided a signed witness statement denying that he was commissioned or instructed by Associated to carry out any unlawful activity, adding the Associated Newspapers vigorously denies all the claims against it. Prince Harry's turbulent history with the media dates back to the death of his mother, Princess Diana. He's long blamed overly aggressive paparazzi for chasing Diana and causing the car crash that killed her. In the aftermath, the tabloids agreed to let Diana's grieving young sons grow up in private, away from the cameras. Harry's lawyer, filing on his behalf in court, said the claimant regards Associated's unlawful acts to amount to a major betrayal, given promises made by the media to improve its conduct following the tragic and untimely death of his mother, Princess Diana, in 1997. Fellow claimant Elton John alleging his child's birth certificate was published in the Daily Mail before he and his partner had seen it themselves. And British actress Elizabeth Hurley claims her phone was tapped and that her ex-boyfriend Hugh Grant's car was bugged. This is a preliminary hearing. It lasts through Thursday, after which the judge will decide whether this lawsuit can go to trial. Al, Dylan, Jill. All right. Thanks so much. Gosh, that's Something will continue Thanks to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it seems like surveillance is the theme of the morning. This morning, we also have our eye on an eye-opening look at how some companies are keeping tabs on their employees. What's it called, Al? Tattleware. NBC News senior consumer investigative correspondent Vicki Wynn is here to tell us what it is and how some employees are trying to trick the technology. Good morning, Vicky. Good morning. Yeah, Tattleware, the sur- surveillance software, it's become a huge industry, about a billion dollars. Mm. They expect it to double by 2030. And the idea is we we started changing the way that we worked because of the pandemic, right? So right now, 50% of people are back in office, according to a LinkedIn survey. 28% are working remotely fully, mm. and 18% of us are working in a hybrid manner. And so employers feel that they've lost control of the workforce a little bit. They're leaning into this surveillance software because they want to make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be mm-hmm. doing. And there are all kinds of sneaky ways they're doing it. They can take screenshots of your face. Mm. They can track what's on your actual screen. Mm-hmm. They can see, you know, how many keystrokes you're doing on your computer at a time. All of this designed to make sure that you're being productive, but it raises a lot of ethical questions, mm-hmm. certainly. And you should just be aware, look, if you have a company-issued laptop, phone, Mm -hmm. tablet, odds are it has some kind of surveillance software on it. So treat it accordingly. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how are people doing this? What are these hacks or whatever they're doing to to try to make their boss think they're actually working. Yeah, it really is a cat and mouse game, right, Al? I mean, when no you start surveilling, right, when you start surveilling people, they figure out workarounds. One of the items that's really being marketed as undetectable to your IT department is called a mouse jiggler. And really, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's a little platform. You put your mouse on it, and it kind of just moves your mouse <laughs> around a little bit, or you can plug in software that makes the cursor move randomly across oh, the boy. screen. There's a real reason to use this. Let's say you're downloading a huge file Mm -hmm. and you need your computer not to fall asleep. Right. But it's really being marketed as a way to get around your bosses. I mean, but what happens to just doing what you're supposed to do? Like that. Why is everyone trying? Is there just and, and this is our next topic. Should there just be better communication with your bosses saying like, okay, we're working in this hybrid setting. Let's figure out so you don't have to 
Yeah. Yeah. We believe. Right. If you get the job done, why, yeah. why do you have why to Why can't spy it just be it? about getting the job done? Exactly. 100%. That's really the ideal, right? We talked to this professor um, at Harvard and at Villanova, and she specializes in surveillance software. And she says, really, it comes down to a question of trust and right. company right. culture. Mm-hmm. Is this poor management if you're just going to spy on people? Or is it a, a conversation you d- need to have with your employees right. about what you expect from them, what they want out of the job? So forget about the, you know, quiet quitting mm-hmm. and the bare minimum Mondays. Yeah. Have that conversation yeah. with your we boss. Grown not adults. feeling fulfilled. Exactly. Yeah, I got to right. take a break here or something. And I'm going to be back. Yeah, I'm going to get the job done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank right. you. Thanks well, so much. Thank you. Well, speaking of getting yes. the job done, let's move on to the women's final four. Now to March Madness. And the final four is set. The favorite South Carolina Gamecocks, Craig's very happy, mm-hmm. are back to defend their championship. They defeated Maryland to improve to 36-0 and 0 wow. for the season. They will take on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Other side of the bracket, I hear Hoda screaming from her dressing room. <laughs> the Virginia Tech Hokies reached the Final Four for the first time ever, knocking off mm. Ohio State. I went to Michigan, so happy about that. They will face the LSU Tigers on Friday night in Dallas. Excited. Very awesome. cool. Wow. Well, you so know, fun. speaking of Tigers, we actually, we actually have one roaming the studio oh this time. <laughs> We are so excited to have the amazing puppeteers from the brand new Broadway show, Life of Pi. Up next, we have a first look at the show and the tale of how they bring good kitty. How they bring these animals to life. Third hour of today, we'll be right back. So real lovely. I saw it. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed it's been so cool this morning we've been getting up close and personal with a royal bengal tiger he along with a zebra and orangutan and a hyena. They are all some of the stars in Broadway's newest production, Life of Pi. The stage adaptation first debuted in London, winning five Olivier Awards, including Best New Play, Best Actor, and Best Supporting Actor for the puppeteering team who perform as the Tiger. It's incredible. It really is. And now roaring on to Broadway, I got a first look at the show that's tapping into the imagination of audiences everywhere. Based on Jan Martel's 2001 award-winning and best-selling novel, Life of Pi, is giving new breath to Broadway. And I got a behind-the-scenes look. I think we're going to need a bigger boat. The tale follows a 16-year-old boy named Pi who survives at sea after being shipwrecked with a menagerie of animals, including a royal Bengal tiger named Richard Parker, the book later becoming a motion picture. Now the theatrical adaptation written by Lolita Chakrabarti is making its debut on Broadway, where puppetry 
takes center stage. Life of Pi is about faith, survival, and I think most of all it's about hope. I talked to Jan Martel and he said that the animals should never be cute, they should always be dangerous, uh, and that was a really guiding principle. But to bring the wild animals to life in front of a live audience was a tall task for the play's creative team, led by director Max Webster. When somebody said, we're going to bring the life of Pi to the stage, what was your reaction? I like big challenges, and I had no idea how we'd do it, how we'd make the tiger alive. I thought we could make a play about imagination and storytelling, and I hope that's what we've tried to do. Being able to spark the imagination is, is such a great, a great idea. It's like a handout to the audience, asking them to play a game with us, mm -hmm. asking them to kind of come on stage and imagine the story along with us. And I think that might be one of the reasons why people find the show so moving. The lifelike puppets are operated by puppeteers who perform alongside Olivier Award-winning actor Hiran Abisakra, who plays Pi. What is it like working with uh, a puppet tiger or a puppet zebra? It keeps me on my toes every single, single time. It's quite magnificent. Helping to stretch the audience's imagination is Finn Caldwell, the show's puppet and movement director. But as I was finding out more about the production... So we have, generally speaking, three puppeteers that operate each... Um, oh. <laughs> Here's one of our puppets now. Wow! One of the oh, play's oh, stars crashed oh, the interview. Who is that? So this is Richard Parker. This is the, the, the lead puppet in our show. <sighs> Did you guys actually study the different animals to get the, the, the movement because it, it, it's very realistic. Thank you very much, yes, we did. We looked at real tigers at the zoo and nature videos a lot. Good kitty. Oh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The team researching a tiger's traits, everything from breathing <sighs> to movements whoa, yeah. to the animal's roar. <laughs> this is freaky. A rotating group of three puppeteers operate Richard Parker. What does it take for a team to bring a tiger to life? Focus and attention to detail. You've got to sort of meld your minds uh, to, to create one, one character. We don't get to talk when we're in the puppet, so we don't get to say, let's do this. So you can understand their energies really well. How physically challenging is this as a puppeteer? <laughs> Quite. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> Enough. It actually brings your team together stronger because you have to have so much trust in them. Their show hoping the audience trusts them as well to enter their magical world. Do you think one of the reasons why audiences have gravitated to this because you can be sitting next to somebody and you each come away with something different. I think so. It seems to resonate with people in very different and moving ways, really thinking about what is stories, what is life, what is faith, uh, but also is a big entertainment that's joyful. So you think the, the, the version American audiences are going to see, Broadway audiences, is the best version of this? Show? Absolutely. I'm really proud of that, yeah. Well, we actually, there's a team of eight puppeteers who operate Richard Parker, but you see three of them oh each night. So it's literally a different tiger each night. Uh, Life of Pi now playing on Broadway at the Schoenfeld Theater. Tickets are available. Oh. Also, Max, the director, <laughs> uh, his wife has uh, five-month-old twins at home. I asked him which is harder, uh, putting Life of Pi on stage or having twins at home that he's not part of. And, and he said, that's much harder yeah, than this. Yes. So he, I told him he owes his wife a really nice present. But oh, it is this. incredible. You know, we, we, we talk about it, you know, when we're talking about Sesame Street, you, you, it, you kind of, your mind 
shuts down the fact that there are puppeteers. Yeah, you see the puppeteers, you just, yeah. You see. And they're not dressed in black as you exactly. normally would see in something like this. They're all part of it. That's so. amazing. I know. That's a great Incredible. story. That's Great right. job. Yes. I can't wait to see it. Mm, I, yeah. You should see the litter box we've got at home for. <laughs> I was waiting. We let it go. Coming up next, influencer and advocate Gigi Robinson is here to open up about her health journey and share an important message for millions of women. Then later, actor Nicholas Holt stops by to share a role he really sunk his teeth into in his new vampire horror comedy. The third hour today will be back in just 60 seconds. It's fascinating. Welcome back. Well, March is Endometriosis Awareness Month, and according to the Office on Women's Health, about 5 million women in the U.S. are struggling with the incredible, painful con condition. It can sometimes be difficult for doctors to diagnose, and this morning we are going to hear from a woman who lived with it for 13 years. She's opening up about what she went through to help other women take control of their health. I'm Gigi Robinson. I'm a public speaker, content creator, and author, documenting and bringing awareness to the chronic pain I felt for over 10 years. So living with a chronic illness looks different every day. Just last year, I became the first person battling chronic illnesses to model for Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Magazine. At 11 years old, I was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, a connective tissue disorder that causes constant muscle and joint pain. From acupuncture to medication, I've tried everything to manage my symptoms, including migraines, fatigue, and debilitating pain in my back, abdomen, and pelvis, but nothing worked. Finally, in 2020, I knew I had to seek more treatment. After seeing doctor after doctor, I underwent surgery and I was diagnosed with another chronic illness, endometriosis. Today, I feel like a new person and I want to share my story in hopes to help other women too. And Gigi is here with us this morning. Good morning. Hey, good, good morning. morning. Thank you for being here. So I can't believe it was just three months ago that you underwent surgery. How would you say you're feeling now compared to the pain you felt over the last 13 years? Yeah, it's been a transformative three months, honestly. Mm. My life completely changed. And honestly, the quality of life that I'm living is sometimes unbelievable to me. But I, I just try to pinch myself and remind myself that it's real. Yeah. So many women are going through this. And you've suffered for so long, even as a child. Mm -hmm. What is it like? I mean, it's one portion of your life, but when you're not feeling well like that, mm -hmm. it affects your entire life. Yeah. I think when you live with a chronic illness in general, you just have to get through every single day. You have to just live your life as best as you can mm -hmm. within the parameters that you have. That's really what I did for years and years. Mm -hmm. So often we talk about women needing to be advocates of their own health. It's easy yeah. to be advocates of your kids' health, but when it comes to you, you need to talk to the doctors and tell yeah, them, yeah. no, this something more is here. Right. So what advice do you have for women who just don't think they're getting the right diagnosis? I would say pay really close attention to what's going on in your body, right? Mm -hmm. Monitoring your symptoms, writing a medical journal or a medical diary of, you know, do you have pain certain times of the month? Uh, is it repetitive? Does it happen every month? Does it happen mm -hmm. every other month? Does it happen when you travel? And the more that you pay attention to what's going on inside, the more you're able to speak about it on the outside mm -hmm. and actually get a diagnosis or hopefully create change and hopefully that's a positive one. Yeah. As women, it's so important to talk about this, to normalize it, but it's yeah. even harder for kids. And so yeah. I know you dealt with a lot of this as a child. So now you're writing a children's book. Yeah, it just came out. It's called A Kid's Book About Chronic Illness. And the story is really about resilience and courage and talking about your body and the different ways that 
you can advocate for yourself as a child, um, whether that's you dealing with the problem yourself or your friend, your family, your extended family, Mm -hmm. siblings. Uh, I just wanted it to be a place where younger kids could go to really understand, I guess, on a basic level, what a chronic health issue is. And I think for you, having gone through this whole process, you must have learned a lot about yourself, what you can handle, what you can fight against. So so tell me just what you've learned about yourself. Yeah. I think it's been a lot about firm boundaries of knowing, you know, okay, I can't go out on nights past like nine or 10 (laughs) o'clock, or I need to be in bed by nine or 10 Mm -hmm. o'clock. I need to have a consistent routine, things like that. And just making sure that I'm as ritualistic with my self-care practices Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and that really ends up helping my mental health, which in turn helps my physical health. So yeah. it's it's all a mind-body connection is what I would say. Mm-hmm. And what is your message out there for people who are suffering? It's just, it really just affects your whole yeah. life. I would say to just keep pushing and really, really, again, pay attention to what's going on in your body and talk about it with your friends, mm-hmm. talk about it with your family if you're comfortable, and hopefully then you can get the help and yeah. access that you need. Because you shouldn't have to feel that way. No. I mean, there's there should be an answer. There should right. be a resolution. Yeah, there should be. But I think that's where the medical technology is going to hopefully advance in the next decade or so. Mm-hmm. And it'll be easier to diagnose such a common condition like right. endometriosis. And uh, I just think it's really, really important for everyone to start paying mm-hmm. more close attention to. Well, you're so wonderful. Thank you. I'm so glad you're feeling good. And thanks so much for being here. Yeah, and thank for you for me. being so brave and normalizing the conversation. Thank oh, you're thank helping you. a lot of people. Yeah. All right. Well, just ahead, actor Nicholas Holt is live to tell us about his scary good new role, hmm, fighting back against Count Dracula and his interesting diet on set. Then later, we're in the kitchen with top chef judge, hey, Gail Simmons, making a roast that would be perfect for your Easter Sunday celebration. Al's very excited about this one. We'll be right back. This morning, we are catching up with an Emmy-nominated actor with serious range. Nicholas Holt had his breakthrough role at just 11 years old in About a Boy with Hugh Grant. Then he went on to play Dr. Hank McCoy, a.k.a. Beast, in the X-Men franchise. And And currently stars alongside Elle Fanning in The Great. And now Nicholas is taking on the title character in the horror comedy (laughs) Renfield. He plays Count Dracula's longtime servant who finally decides to stand up and break free. When Renfield joins a support group to gain courage, he finds out it's not such a safe space after all. I Welcome. It's Thanks so nice to me. have you here. And this is a very interesting take on a classic story. So Renfield seems really fired up for this one. Yeah, that was what intrigued me about the script. I thought it was such a fun concept to look at, you know, toxic relationships and horrible <laughs> bosses, but the boss being Dracula. Yeah. And it doesn't get more extreme than that, you know. So to reimagine the Renfield character in that dynamic was a really fun idea. And and you got to work with him uh, in 2005. You played his son in a movie I loved, The Weatherman. Yes. Uh, so what Nicholas was... Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage, yeah. yeah. What was it like working with him then as opposed to now? I mean, I was in complete awe of him then. I mean, I was 14 years old. I had my first corn dog in his presence, oh. which was a very special Did moment. Did you like it? I, I loved it. It was in a scene in that movie. And I'm very proud of that film. I think it's a great movie. And, and Nick's such a phenomenal actor. But now working with him as an adult, I got to really study, you know, where where all his inspiration comes from, mm-hmm. what he brings to the character. And he is having so much fun as Dracula. It's, it's, <laughs> it seems it's incredible like it. to watch. And I got a front row seat to see it. So I feel very lucky. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting during filming. I mean, there's a lot of stunts. There's a lot of fight sequences. You, mm. you know, you think maybe you could get hurt. 
you did actually hurt your toe, but how, how did that happen? <laughs> I did. It was, it, was, it was wild. The stunt team were incredible. They taught me to do backflips and all this incredible wire work. But I didn't get hurt doing any of the fight sequences. I got hurt. I went home for Christmas. I picked up a, a, a box of water and one of the glass bottles fell out onto the <laughs> oh. toe, directly onto the toe. The nail came oh, off. I couldn't no. walk. I was in absolute pieces. I went back so were you bandaged during filming? I was bandaged with no toenail throughout filming, Ouch. trying to do all of it. It was quite painful. I yeah. feel like you could alter that story to be really cool yeah. with the Dracula I thing. I, I feel like I should, you after ask, today, I, I think we should cooler, switch yeah. it up. Yeah. Um, another cool part of this is you get your powers, your character does, yes. by eating bugs and insects, at least in the yes. movie. So how did you handle that? Uh, I handled it by eating. I mean, the props team were amazing. And like for the cockroaches and, and such, they had like caramel ones that looked Ooh. very realistic and mm -hmm. were actually pretty delicious. But uh, things like the crickets were real dried crickets mm -hmm. that I was eating um, that were actually pretty tasty. They were like smoky bacon flavor and salt and vinegar. So that oh. was actually They couldn't have palatable. given you like something that looked like bugs? Well, they did. Like the worms. The worms yeah. were just gummy worms okay. in, uh, in Oreos yeah. crushed up to look like earth. So that was good. Have you okay. ever had barbecue cricket? Uh, yes. Well, we, it just nice. so happens we have some. Oh, we not heard again. That's not again. Right no, here. We heard that's your favorite. Oh, no, we just no, 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 no. Well, okay. I'll, 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 I'll try some of you. Oh, no. Go on then. Oh, God. So which is this one? This is barbecue. Barbecue cricket? Yeah. Is it really cricket? I'm Tuck sorry. in. Nutritious. Good. Good protein. Delicious. That's actually pretty good. Smoke it. <laughs> Very nice. I feel I like, just... though, you could put anything in barbecue and it tastes like the barbecue. I love barbecue. But, the, yeah, but you really fair. did eat the, the bugs. Yeah. The only bad bug was, uh, the only bad bug was a potato <laughs> bug. Um, they, that did not taste good. Ooh. I would not recommend it. <laughs> they do get a little stuck in your yeah, teeth. Yeah, do they so get stuck? Yeah. Yeah. We're all live. Um, we also have to talk about the great switching oh, yeah. from crickets to um, the great. I mean, season three is about yes. to start. What, what's it like working with Elle Fanning and oh, this whole crew? Elle's incredible. She's so wonderful to be on set with. And, and what she does with that character is just inspiring in every moment. So um, this season's going to be really fun. Um, it's about kind of their co-parenting and, mm -hmm. and, and how they raise their, their son whilst they're kind of warring with each other. Wow, great. that's great. Fun. Okay, well, I don't know how you wash down these bugs, but I hope to have the superpowers <laughs> yeah, by eating them. <laughs> but a strong flavor, but, actually. Yeah. The more it sits in there. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. And Good sport. Company, Universal Pictures, hits theaters. Oh, on my birthday, April 14th. Oh, happy oh, birthday. Yes, that's Next Wednesday. We knew. Yeah. We knew. That's Wednesday why we did it. From now. All right. <laughs> Still to come, we've got some more tasty treats. <laughs> Top chef Judge Gail Simmons is here with a Sunday feast. Ooh, a Sunday a roast fresh out of the oven and big old popovers. <laughs> Look at that. Those are delicious. massive. Third hour today, I'll be right back. Those are the biggest popovers I've ever seen. Later this week on the third hour of today, a super lineup for you. Super Mario himself, Chris Pratt, on bringing an iconic video game to the big screen. Tony winner, Philippa Sue, on bringing back a Broadway classic. And hairstylists to the stars like the Kardashians, Chris Appleton shows us the hot spring looks. That's this week on the third hour of today. Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with my NBC neighbor, Jimmy Fallon, to talk about his 10 years as host of The Tonight Show, reflecting on his long career in comedy, his years at SNL, and yes, landing the biggest job in late night. A little time backstage with Jimmy Fallon. You can get our conversation now for free, wherever you download your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna book club. 
There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. We are back with Today Food, and it is inspired by a trip to London. So we thought Nicholas Holt would like to stick around. Plus, he said he's never had a popover. So we've got Gail Simmons, our culinary expert. Not as you know it as a popover. That's right. Food writer, permanent judge on Top Chef, now in its 20th season. 16 former competitors from all around the world head to London, facing off for the ultimate world all-stars title. Gail joining us now to make a traditional Sunday roast using lamb. Gail, good yes, morning. That's right. Good, good morning. morning. Good to see you guys. That's good right. Morning. So London. So London. Top Chef, this is the first time in 20 seasons that we did our entire season overseas. We lived mm-hmm. in London for two months shooting over the summer and fall. Must have been wonderful. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. <laughs> and most of all, I have to admit, like, I, I love British food. I think it gets a bad rap. But first of all, London is an incredibly global city. <laughs> yes. But I really Nicholas love Sunday it. roast. What was the fa- Sunday roast is a beautiful tradition, I Isn't think. Isn't it? And I'm Sun- very excited about yes, this. Yes, and it really goes well with Easter, obviously, mm-hmm. coming up, or Passover, right. or whatever you may be celebrating right now. Um this time of year, spring. So I decided usually it's done with a big beef roast. Right. But I'm making a leg of lamb. Okay, okay. so this is a boneless butterfly leg Boneless and butterfly. Can you ask Thank your butcher you. to get this? You like absolutely this. can. Yep. It's very standard. Okay. And I'm going to start with making the marinade for right. it. So you're um, doing mint, which usually people cha- uh, you know pair with lamb. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It goes so well. I'm using lots of fresh mint. I'm going to throw it in a bowl with lemon juice. And okay. Ali, you're going to help me out okay. here. So in the bowl, I'm going to dump. You can dump in lemon zest, garlic, and a little Aleppo pepper. You can use just chili flakes Mm -hmm. if you have. Let's season it up. Is that spicy? Mm. They they are spicy, but Aleppo has a beautiful mellow chili flavor. And then, Al, if you want a whisk, I'm going to pour in some olive oil. oil. Yep, I got salt. This is absolutely delicious. Yeah, oh, good. I'm glad you like, dig in. Like, got to yeah. eat it when it's hot, especially Thank the you. popover, which, Nick, you will know as Yorkshire pudding. Well, is it is it the same, essentially? Exactly the same. Okay. They just cook them in these crazy tins that we'll get to in a minute instead of in one big dish. Okay. Oh, okay. So you've got your, your marinade. So I've got my marinade. Now, pour it over my leg lamb, but not all of it. Save a little bit of it, which will act as the extra sauce later. That's oh, gorgeous. Okay. Thank right. you very much. You've done this before, Once sir. Once or twice. And how long do you let it sit in the marinade? At least four hours. You can put it in the fridge. You can leave it overnight and cook it the next day if Mm -hmm. you want. You're going to toss it around and make sure that it's nice and coated. Okay. Leave it, cover it. And then you're going to take it out, pat it dry, and throw it right on a very she, hot oh, grill. Gail, should, you let, wow. should you let the, the meat get to like room temperature before you throw yes, it on? Yes, you want to take it out at least 45 minutes, and actually you want to season it because there's no salt in that marinade. Uh-huh. But we'll do that as we go. Right. Um, season with salt and okay. pepper. Mm-hmm. You want to pat it dry after it's after it's come to room temperature, and then you're going to let it grill. I've never cooked lamb. Do you want a little redness uh-huh. inside? or do yeah. you A you little, but I find, and this is personal, that... Unlike steak that I like really medium, rare, rare, like totally pink inside, lamb can be a little tougher, a little chewier. So I like to cook it slightly more medium right. than okay. medium rare. So now we're and then I make my popovers. Pop exactly. Over, which so is important. In one bowl, I have flour and oh. salt. In mm-hmm. the other bowl, I have four eggs, 
I'm going to whisk with, I like to add a little maple syrup. I'm oh. traditional, but I'm Canadian. This is uh. what I was excited about because I took a bite and I, I love Yorkshire pudding, but this has got a nice sweetness to That's it. That's right. A little crust. bit of sweetness. I like this Some addition. melted butter. Mm -hmm. Nicholas cooks, so he's taking notes. I am. I love oh, that. I love that. I've ever had. I, I feel it's very, um, oh. it's serendipitous that we have a Brit to eat my, uh, my Sunday you. roast. Usually you yeah. make it with beef fat, but this is a, a yes, wonderful. Yes, I'm using melted butter here. Um, and then I'm just oh. going to put my dry ingredients whisked in it's like a very moist this pancake. Is like, that's yes. exactly it but like when they pancake. come out of the oven they're actually oh huge gosh. as you saw earlier um they and they deflate a bit but there's so much i don't fun. know about the shrinkage jerry <laughs> precisely all right so i mix that all up put it in a pouring tin now here's the key to yorkshire pudding okay. the key to popovers is you want to preheat this pan this is a fancy popover pan you don't need it you can use a muffin tin okay but you can see that there's already sizzling melted butter at the bottom because i've preheated it take it out of the oven and immediately while it's still hot oh. pour in three quarters of the way you don't want to fill it up too batter. much. That's right. Because so they get huge. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that is the name. Um, so you pour it in, and then you put these in the oven about 15 to 20 minutes at 425. This and they come delicious. out so puffed up and, and serve huge. Immediately. Serve immediately. I mean, already they it's have. They I mean, plate. But yeah. they are freckly and I'm delicious. And they go with the <laughs> lamb. Are you happy, Nicholas? I'm, I'm very happy. I'm glad, glad I stuck around. And then you have the extra. Much better than the crickets. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. sauce. Mm, mm, this mm. is. How's my Sunday right. roast? Delicious. It's incredible. Oh. Is this the best interview you've ever had? <laughs> it, it certainly is. I'm very happy. Just taking the bad taste of the crickets out of my mouth as well. Nicholas came to play. I like that. All right. Gail, thank you so much. Nicholas, thank you so much. And thank for you. these recipes, head to today.com slash food. Catch Top Chef World All-Star yes. Thursdays, 9 p.m. Eastern Pacific on Bravo. I'll be right back. Easiest interview wow. ever done. We got a quick reminder for you. You can now stream all four hours of today and your local NBC station live, which you're watching right now, on Peacock. All part of Peacock's new Morning News Live collection. For details, head to PeacockTV.com slash Morning News. All right, Jill, we'll see you again tomorrow. Yes, I look forward to not eating crickets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've also got actor Grant Gustin joining us live in studio. And coming up on Hoda and Jenna Grammy winning superstar Mary J. Blige. Ooh, cannot wait. Well, have a great day, everybody, and we hope to see you back here tomorrow. Bye-bye. Have a good day.